What's going on, everyone, and welcome into the Fireside Knicks podcast alongside Brett Hamfling. I'm Bryce Gelman, as always, and for the first time in our hosting duo history, we have a guest, and that guest is none other than Brian Geltseiler, host of the weekend show from 7 to 10 a.m. on Sirius XM Channel 86, the NBA channel. Geltz, what's going on, man? Appreciate you joining us. It's my pleasure, Bryce. Always my pleasure, buddy. How you guys doing? All right? Doing well, doing well. You know, things so, are a little stress. Yeah. Things are a little stressful yeah. in Nickland, um, but when are they well, not? When are they not? So not. you know, it could be worse. Eleven and thirteen. It feels like they could be, you know, six and sixteen. So, all things considered, we're doing okay. <laughs> I yeah, would me, and Geltz, so. me and Geltz go way back. Uh, one of my you dad's did? good friends, Geltz. Geltz actually came on my high school sports talk radio slash television show. So it did. it's been a while. I think that's the last time we. I think it's the last time I've had you. That it was fun. That was actually well produced for for a high school TV show. Yeah, hat tip to Mr. Daly. He did a great job. Great guy. Great guy. He really put in the work with us. All right. So without further ado, let let let's get right into this, Gal. So the Knicks, they're not doing well this year. Obviously, they currently sit at eleven and thirteen. They play the Hawks tomorrow night. There's been a lot of news recently that's come out about the Knicks rotation, specifically the fact that Derrick Rose and Cam Reddish are now out of the rotation. What are your thoughts on that? What do you make of that? I have a tough time with Cam Reddish being out of this rotation right now, Bryce. He, you know, he's probably been the best perimeter defender on this team this year with all of Barrett's struggles. And I know offensively he has been inconsistent. And I know that this regime and the coaching staff likes Quentin Grimes a heck of a lot more. But I do think you have to find a way to get an athlete like Reddish on the floor a heck of a lot more than just dropping him out of the rotation. Listen, he got hurt for a little while, and it's taken him some time to bounce back. But he's not going to do that on the bench. And, again, I'm a Grimes fan. I like him. I think he's a good player. Quickly, he's played very well and, and certainly has done a little bit of time on the wing for the Knicks as well. But you can't tell me that an 11-13 and 13 team that's going young can't find minutes for 23-year-old Cam Reddish with his level of athleticism and what he did early in the year. Listen, young players are always going to ebb and flow. There's not, It's never going to be that straight line up, that diagonal line of progress. It's always going to have you know, one, two steps forward, one step back. But Reddish needs the minutes to be able to do that. And even if it means a little bit less for Grimes, but keeping Reddish in the mix, I, I think one of the things that has started to happen with this Nick team and tends to happen sometimes is – they lose their eye on the ball in terms of awareness and who they are. This is not a really good basketball team, guys. What this is is a young basketball team with potential to get better and get to be good and maybe very good one day. But for that to happen, young players have to develop. How do they develop? They develop by playing and at times not playing very well, but that's how you get better. You make mistakes. You make errors. You get beat up a little bit. You learn from it and come back stronger. I'd like to see Reddish get that opportunity. I think from his early season play, he earned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's a li- little bit conflicting, confusing, because on one hand you have Derrick Rose seemingly out of the rotation. On that hand, it kind of does look like we're doing this youth movement and giving some of the younger guys the minutes. But then you have the Cam Reddish out of the lineup. And I, 
you know, and, and Bryce knows how I feel about Barrett, the season, especially, and, and uh, Randall. If you just take six minutes from RJ, maybe five, six minutes from Randall, you have 11 minutes for a Reddish. And, and I know it's not that simple, and, you know, some fans will want him to play more, but just cutting him out of the rotation seems, as everything you just mentioned, seems like the wrong decision. Yeah, listen, Brett, I would say this. If you're going to borrow minutes from somebody, I have no problem with borrowing minutes from Barrett. He's been a lot more bad than good this year, although he's played a little bit better recently. I don't, if you're going to make minutes something that you earn, you can't make Barrett's big minutes something that you default to because he's R.J. Barrett and just signed to a big contract extension. And I think because he was the number three overall pick, some of that has happened here. I don't know that you can borrow any Randall minutes for Cam Reddish for two reasons. Number one, keep this in mind about Julius Randle. With the way he's played this year with his contract, it is possible you can get off this money come trade deadline. Randle's played very well. And and that's, you know, when you talk about a youth movement, Julius Randle at 28, you know, listen, 28's not old in the NBA, but if you can get young assets and get some more picks and put yourself in a position for the next star player that comes available, I'm sure we'll talk about that later here, you want to do that, but that's not going to happen with stealing minutes from Randall. The other problem that they have is the fact that you'd like to see Obi Toppin play a little more. Now, I do think, I will say this, I do think Nick fans are a little over the top about this whole, I can't believe how little Toppin plays. You have to realize something about Obi Toppin that's very important, that he lacks in a big way. The dude for 6'10 is not a good defensive rebounder. And that, when you play for Tom Thibodeau, that's a jailable offense. You got a defensive rebound. Toppin loves leaking out, getting out on a wing to go for dunks. But sometimes he does it before the ball's ever rebounded. And that's a negative with him. Nonetheless, if he's going to develop, he's got to play more. So you got to borrow some of Randall's minutes to get him in the lineup. So to me, listen, I like Quentin Grimes a lot. But you're going to have to really explain hard to me what he's done to earn that many more minutes over Cam Reddish. So I feel like you're in the right lines, Brett, and saying you got to borrow minutes from somebody to create him for Reddish. To me, it's some from Barrett, some from Grimes. Nothing wrong with a competitive atmosphere with these wings among each other to see who can play the best to earn minutes. Not to kind of default anybody to any to any minutes to anybody. I think that's kind of happened here with Barrett. Well, Gals, you kind of led me into this other topic that I wanted to address perfectly. And the fact that Julius Randle, with all the minutes that he plays, again, as twenty as a 28-year-old on a youth-driven team, they should probably look to trade him. What is the trade value currently for a guy like Julius Randle in the league? Well, the, part of the problem, Bryce, is, is that's a really hard question to answer because where are we right now in the season? We're early December. So it's been six weeks of him showing that he can play again because last season he was a mess. Last season he didn't play well. He wasn't in great shape. He had a horrible attitude. Now, again, he was angry over a couple things last season, largely because his good friend Reggie Bullock wasn't brought back and they prioritized Alec Burks over Reggie Bullock, which was a poor management decision last year mm-hmm. on multiple yeah. levels. And should Randall have comported himself like a lot more of a grown-up under that set of circumstances? There's no doubt that he should have. Listen, Kenny Payne left halfway through the year to go to Louisville. That was another one of Randall's guys. I get an NL. Alfred Payton was another one of Randall's guys that wasn't brought back. So Randall felt a little forsaken. I get that. You got to be more of a pro than to handle yourself how he handled himself last year. He was a mess. 
this year likes Jalen Brunson a lot. He's in much better shape. He's played great. But we're not looking at Randall being traded December 15th. We're looking to see if he can sustain this for another two months coming into the trade deadline. Then he becomes viable. And listen, you don't even need him to be a trade asset, Bryce. You need it to not be a trade liability. Think about where I'm going with that, where that contract is something someone will take off your books. Guys, it's this year and three more, and it escalates from like $28 million up to 32 Now, again, cap's going up, so it's not horrible. But if you want to talk about a youth movement, be able to extend some of your guys, and then be able to use picks to go out and get yourself a potential star to put all these young guys around – you're going to need that Randall contract kind of off your books. So the fact that they would be able to give up Randall and not necessarily get a shorter contract, something that expires sooner and not necessarily have to attach anything that in and of itself with the way Randall has played this year to me is a plus. So Brian, you mentioned a youth movement a couple of times and for good reason. Um, is there sort of another conflict of interest when you have Tom Thibodeau who, you know, might be on a short leash at some point, you know, maybe not as short as Nick's Twitter thinks it is. You know, some people thought he was going to be let go after that embarrassing Dallas game um, over the weekend. Is this sort of a classic conflict of interest where Tibbs has to win games to save his ass? And, you know, maybe the front office or maybe ownership would like to play younger guys. And I guess, do you th- what do you think about Tibbs? Do you think he has room to finish the season? I think he'll finish this year. So I, first of all, let me go on record. I love Tom. I think Tom is one of the best basketball coaches on the planet. But one of the things that makes Tom great is one of the things that hurts him with this team, as you just said. Tom wants to do everything he can to win every single game. And one thing I will tell you, Evan Fournier is not playing. He's out of rotation, right? Evan Fournier is not out of rotation because he's old. He's out of, out of rotation because the other guys are better. Tom wants to win every single game. And with a team like this, that becomes very hard when you're going to have young guys take their lumps. Hence, you discussed it earlier with Reddish being out of the rotation. Reddish shouldn't be out of the rotation. He has to be able to take his lumps. Listen, I, I will tell you this. I think in a lot of ways, Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau are tied at the hip here when it comes to Nick ownership. So I don't think you're going to see Rose punted midseason. And if Rose isn't going to be punted midseason, Tom's probably not going to be punted midseason. I think they'll give Tom this season to see, A, how many games he wins, and B, how much, more importantly, how many guys get better under his watch. Player development's an important thing for Tom here. And the thing with Tom is he's all about winning games. So that's going to be an interesting thing. Keep one thing in mind also. Yes, Jim Dolan's got a lot of money. Jim Dolan makes a lot of money with MSG. Very few owners want to eat the kind of money they're paying Tom and two and a half years of that. Maybe two they'll eat if they feel like they have to. But Tom signed a five-year contract when he first came on board. This is his third year of a five-year deal. I just think they're going to give him this year. I think if this year goes really bad, and more importantly, if Leon Rose isn't able to make that kind of impactful trade at the trade deadline, and that to me is what's more worrisome than even Tom doing something regarding his job and trying to win games and not going with the youth movement, is that Leon panics a little bit come trade deadline time and turns around and makes the kind of deal that he's looking to do to save his job instead of kind of staying the course long-term. Now, to be fair, Leon hasn't given us reason to believe that he will do that. But I think if you're going to talk about 
Tom being a little bit on the hot seat, I think it's disingenuous to not talk about Leon Rose on that same hot seat with Tom. Two of them are tied at the hip. That was Leon's guy coming in. That's a guy Leon is stuck with. And let's face it, neither of the track records have been perfect, but Leon has made some, had a very, this past offseason was fine. The offseason before that, he had a very, very poor offseason. Signings like Fournier and Walker and bringing back Burks instead of Bullock, those types of things really, really set this organization back. Even like Alec Nerland's Noel, who you had to attach picks to be able to get rid of him and Burks. It was not an auspicious offseason two, two summers ago for Leon Rose, and that's still haunting this franchise right now. So going off both of those things, how favorably are both Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau looked at by ownership in Dolan? Well, so here's your problem with that, Bryce, okay? And and I go back to the 90s era of the Yankees, which you guys are probably a little young for. But George Steinbrenner, in every interview, he was the owner of the Yankees back then, always used an expression, when I talk to my baseball people. In other words, he had his general manager, and then he had his own little crack committee of people that he went ahead and talked to to decide if his general manager was right or wrong. Jim Dolan has his basketball people. So the problem that you have here with Leon Rose is every move he makes that isn't the best move is magnified in the owner's ears by the people that are in his ears. And there's plenty. James Dolan has plenty of people in his ears. So it's, you know, Rose is obviously on shakier ground than I think he was this time last year. But nonetheless, it's if he, he has collected a ton of draft picks, the Knicks are in a very good position to go get a star. The whole thing right now that I think is hurting Leon Rose more than anything else is that Donovan Mitchell is playing like a bona fide all-star, potential all-NBA guy in Cleveland. And R.J. Barrett, for lack of a better term, is pooping the bed right now. And he let R.J. Barrett cost him Donovan Mitchell because he thought he could have both. And that right now is hurting Rose more than anything else. And if you want to point, you know, we can point to wins and losses. We can point to Tom's job performance. If you want to point to one player's development and one player ascending into a big role for this team and looking closer to a star than he ever has, the guy that I think Leon Rose is tied at the hip with is R.J. Barrett. Because keep one other thing in mind, because I know ownership's got an eye on this too. You're watching what's happening in Cleveland. It's not just Donovan Mitchell. Darius Garland is an all-star guard. Mm -hmm. By the way, R.J. Barrett was taking a pick ahead of him. Yeah, and they were both given the uh, max rookie extensions. Um, So, yeah, so, you know, when you look back the last 10, 15 years as a Nick, we've been waiting for that one. You know, it probably started with LeBron. People thought it was LeBron and Durant. And, you know, whoever it was was coming up, and they would re-sign year after year. And then Donovan Mitchell was the one that was actually attainable. And we were the front runners, and there weren't that many teams looking for him. And it fell apart. Now, the Knicks are going to Knicks, and they're going to look for the next one. And we're going to – Knicks fans are going to talk about the next one. And me and Bryce, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, we were trying to figure out who was out there. Um, actually, I went on another podcast. I was talking about that. And I don't see anyone out there, really. You know, people are throwing Zach Levine's name out there. Is there someone that we aren't thinking about? Someone, you know, becomes disgruntled. Someone falls out of favor. Maybe it's they're not looked at as a superstar right now, but they're a really talented player. And, you know, they could become that caliber player. What are we missing, Brian? Give, give us something. <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns. Really? Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that where, where did that one come from? Because that expect, first of all, Think about where he grew up, Bryce, right? Uh-huh. Grew up right here in Jersey, right? Okay. He Now, granted, him and Tom didn't do great the first time they were together in Minnesota, but there's no guarantee Tom's going to be here. 
Um, Towns is a brilliant offensive player, and that experiment in Minnesota is miserable. That's failing right now. You're, there's no way you're going to be able to defend people with those two bigs on the court together. Your spacing isn't good. They, they, Towns plays out on the perimeter, and the guy can dominate in the paint, although he can mm-hmm. certainly in, in a pick-and-pop situation. He can knock down an open three. There's no doubt about that. But you want him playing foul line in, and he's not with Rudy Gobert there. The whole thing is a failure there, and it's possible Towns ass out. Now, Tom, Towns won't ask out this year because he's got an extension attached to him, so he's poison-pilled. So he can't be traded this year. can't be aggregated in a deal with other players, which makes him you know, very, very difficult to trade him. Yeah. So, But Towns, to me, is a guy to keep an eye on because the other thing is this. Okay, if Minnesota decides the two bigs don't work, wouldn't a Randall Gobert front line be very interesting to be able to compete oh, yeah. now? And then think about the specter of being able to restock some of the picks that you mm-hmm. traded away. That, you stole my question. It you stole my question. Of- well, are they trying to recu- recuperate those picks because it was – well, I mean, it could be looked at in a few years as one of the worst trades in NBA history. Yeah, so, it very well could be, Bryce. It's, it's, yeah. it, was, it was that bad a trade. And again, the problem for the Knicks here is this. So they gave up all these unprotected picks. The Knicks are leading with these three heavily protected picks that they have that they picked up last year in the draft. And one of the things that broke the Mitchell talks down was A, was the Barrett stuff. B, was the fact that Leon didn't want to give more than two unprotected picks. And Danny Ainge was insisting on three plus other picks, plus swaps. Okay, Leon didn't want to go there with all those picks. You didn't go there for Mitchell. Would you go there for Towns? I don't know. Now, listen, you mentioned Zach Levine's name. The Bulls are not good. And for the Bulls, if they're going to do the smart thing, you need to implode this thing. Now, Levine's knee is a significant risk. With that said, if I'm the Bulls, knowing his knee's a risk, knowing that I probably maxed out last year considering two of my three best players in in uh, in uh, DeRozan and Vucevic are on the other side of 30. Vucevic in the last year of a contract. Like, you're not going to – first of all, DeRozan's value is never going to be higher. You can make the case Levine's value is never going to be higher. And Vuce doesn't have a ton of value, but if you can get something for him, you package him and send him out. My point being is that I wouldn't poo-poo Zach Levine so quickly because here's the other thing about Levine. It's a worthwhile risk for the Knicks, even though he's in the first year of a long-term extension. Because of the need, you may be able to get him for a couple of those heavily protected picks and maybe only one or two unprotected. Because the Mm -hmm. thing is with this, even like look look, look at Donovan Mitchell trade possibility, guys. He was going to make them better. He was never going to make them great. They weren't going to be better than Boston. They weren't going to be better than Milwaukee. Not Philly, not Miami. At this stage, not really Cleveland. Okay, probably not Brooklyn. You weren't going to be better than any of those six teams, even with Donovan Mitchell on your team, which meant that – and Rose knew this. He had to leave himself with the potential for another big move, having having a group of picks and assets. Mitchell wasn't the guy to do that. Mm -hmm. Levine, in this situation in Chicago, with the contract he just signed, with the bad knee, he may be the guy you can do that for. So I think that's an interesting player for the Knicks here come trade deadline because I think what you're going to see with the Knicks, this is this season for the Knicks has like 36 and 46 written all over it. Like I, that's just the way I feel all of this plays out. You know, 37 and 45, like that's the kind of team this is. It's not – the conference is brutally difficult, and the reality is they're not that good. So if you get the opportunity to go ahead and get Zach Levine, a 27, 28-year-old star, and that's who you want to build this thing around. And, oh, by the way, you keep 
find a way to keep Randall in that deal because with guys like Fournier and Rose, you have enough like you know loose cap to be able to send out with young players and picks. Then you have something that's at least a little bit interesting going into next year. Do you? I mean, here's the thing because this front office hasn't been able to exactly capitalize on all the talent that has come out through the draft. Wouldn't it be the smartest thing to do to blow it up and try to to draft some of those top guys? I mean, especially in this draft. They're not bad enough to get one of those top two picks, but there are some guys in this draft that could be potential superstars past the, the top two. So the problem is this. I don't know that you could ever trade away enough if you're this team to be bad enough. You know, you could you trade away Randall? Sure. I mean, the guy you're going to have to trade away is the guy they're not trading away is Jalen Bronson. Yeah. Jalen Bronson, he's the best player on the team. He'll make you bad if you trade him away. But I don't think that they're in a hurry to trade away Jalen Brunson. And it's wonderful to get in the Victor Wembayama sweepstakes. But I think the Knicks look at it this way. They're too young to tank right now. Like they kind of have done their tanking. The one vet that may have some value out there or certainly a contract someone will take is Randall. But every other core piece are young guys. You just signed Mitchell Robinson to a second contract. You just signed R.J. Barrett to a second contract. Reddish, you, you may end up signing in the offseason. Grimes is still on a rookie deal. Quickly is still on a rookie deal. Toppin is still on a rookie deal. You just, you're just you loaded with young guys. You know, I mean, even Sims, for the short amount he's played, has played well. He's afforded himself well out there. You have a lot of young guys. There's just kind of no need to go in the tank. Could they have they drafted great? No. Have they drafted bad? No. They've come up with listen. Grimes is a good draft pick. Grimes is a good player. Great draft. No? Yeah. It's so so they've done some decent things. Mitchell Robinson was a second round draft pick. They ended up bringing back on a second contract. That matters. They, so they've done some decent things in the draft. You're right about them being an NBA purgatory, Bryce. They're in the middle. Middle's the worst place to be because either you go to the bottom or you got to find a path to the top. But the Knicks have just come off the bottom. So I think they do, you know, keep in mind, Arjun Barrow's number three overall pick. They're just coming off the bottom. They, to me, with this young group, they got to look to at least spend a couple of years trying to find a path to the top if they can. If you get some star players, you can always go the other way. For me right now, I just don't think they're a team that gets involved for Wembayama. I think a team like the Bulls is much easier for them mm-hmm. to break it down because who their best players are than it would be for a team like the Knicks. Yeah. Um, Brian, so you, you touched on RJ. We haven't touched on him much today. I'm it's it's the most frustrating part of the season so far for me. I think he looks slow. I think you know his dribble's not tight enough. Pretty much all, he gets no space on his drives. He's looking for contact. Is this is this a slump? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Can he you know, I, I I'm pretty much over expecting him to be a star. I still think he'd be a good player if he improves. Are you as down on him as I am? I'm pretty down on him. And I've always used the word star and R.J. Barrett in the same sentence because I believe that he could be that. Star J. Barrett. Yeah, what's bothering me the most about him right now is this looks mental because he's a tremendous athlete. Mm-hmm. And I listen, and he was in some runs with some high-level NBA players over the summer. I mean, I know of a run in the city that he was in. He went toe-to-toe with Jason Tatum. You know, and, and like he, he has that athletic ability to be able to do that. But it all right now looks so robotic. He's thinking out there. He's playing like he's carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. That's one part. The second part that bothers the heck out of me about him is that he has a pretty good right hand. Be nice if he used it once in a while, right? 
Everything is left, left, yeah. left. It makes you easy to guard in this league. You start using your right hand. I've seen him finish around the cup with his right hand. He's really good at finishing with his right hand. Why doesn't he use it? Listen, the shooting is going to come and go. But I think the shooting is more of the mental thing of him feeling the weight of the world on his shoulders. Listen, they let an all-star go in Donovan Mitchell and signed him to big money. And it just seems to be something that is weighing him down. Listen, I think he can be a top-level defender in this league. I think that part of his game has even slipped a little bit here. You know, early in the year, Tom was using Reddish against the top perimeter guy on the other team and not RJ. So, I mean, it's every part of his game has slipped, and so much of this, I think, is mental. Can he recapture it? I think he certainly can, but it's tough during the season. It's going to take some work on his shot, and and it's going to take some soul-searching on his part. I just don't know – if that's there, I, 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 it's this. I've never doubted him from day one till he came in the league till what I've seen this year yeah. in these first twenty-four games. And now I'm legitimately concerned that the ceiling I thought that he had the ability to hit that he's not going to hit, and it's got nothing to do with his body and not as much to do with his game. It's got everything to do with, with what's going on between his ears. I think that there's a little bit of panic going on here. I think there's a little bit of fear, and I think RJ's putting a lot of pressure on himself. He's not relaxing and playing ball. And it's just it's he it's tense, it's robotic, it's not how it should be with him. And I think the concerns are legit. Do you think that that's more of a result of the contract that he signed? The fact that he's making all this money now and he expects himself to be at the top of the game? I'm not sure. I I, I don't know what it is. I it's it's a strange, strange thing because the ability is there. It could listen, the contract doesn't kick in until next year. It could be the contract. It could be the fact that he wasn't traded for Mitchell. It could be something that we don't know about. We have no idea. It, it, it could be anything. But the bottom line is that he's not developing as much as he needs to develop. And I'll go back to something I said to you guys earlier in the interview. All right. There is no player on this roster whose development is tied as much to the fate of Leon Rose and even Tom Thibodeau as R.J. Barrett's is. R.J. Barrett's got to get better for those guys to stay in this job long term, like a lot better, because so much between Leon drafted him number three ahead of Darius Garland, between Tom being the one, the only one that's coached him in his time in the league to the fact that now Leon decided to sign him to an extension and pass on Donovan Mitchell to do so. Those guys are tied to R.J. Barrett's development. And that's part of why a lot of what you guys see on Nick's Twitter about people screaming about Tom getting fired and, and talking about the, the job that Leon has done, R.J. Barrett is directly is a direct result. His poor play this year and more of that fearful play just doesn't look yeah. like a guy that wants the ball in his hands in big spots. He's it's he just his he hasn't developed a feel for the game. And that's really, that's what it is. He doesn't kind of know what to do in big spots. He doesn't, you know, he'll, RJ's one, and and you see kids like this. I coach AAU. You see kids like this when you coach AAU. They put the ball on the floor and they decide no matter who's in front of them or what the deal is, they're going to the basket. RJ does the same thing. Doesn't look for kickouts necessarily. There's no read and react awareness with him. And that's something at this stage of his career, I expected him to develop. It's kind of worse. You know, there's really not many players in the league that, you kind of use the word ball hog, you know, use that, use that word at AAU. Um, like you said, use that word in, in middle school. He puts his head down and he throws his right shoulder into, and he takes a tough layup. And, um, you know, I, I'm rooting for him because like you said, Leon and Tibbs are tied to him. Us as fans were tied to him. He's, he's, he's our guy, whether it works out or not. Um, before we let you go, I wanted to move on a little bit from the Knicks and just ask you general NBA 
Give me a team that maybe is not one of the usual favorites or one of the top contenders that you really like this year that maybe can make some noise. Maybe could, you know, make it to the championship. Well, all right. So championship wise, I mean, you're, it's a great year championship wise, just because you actually probably have about 10 teams that can win a title. So if you take a look at it, you have at least five in the East. If you want to tell me you believe in Brooklyn and you have Brooklyn there as well, then you can stretch it to six. In the West, I think we're being fair. You can't dismiss the Clippers. So the Phoenix Suns are prominent. I picked Denver to go to the finals at the beginning of the season. I'm not backing off that one. I think with Porter healthy, they can be better than anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at Dallas, who struggled a little bit here, and, of course, the Warriors. I mean, so I just threw 11 teams out to you that can absolutely win a title. Um, as far as, you know, and, and then there's the Grizzlies. I forgot them, who look as good as anybody right now. So it's really wide open in terms of the title picture. You tell me a team that I think has surprised me a little bit with the way they've played, and I actually see some upside for, believe it or not, as tough as the East is. I like the Washington Wizards a whole bunch. You know, Porzingis really? has been fantastic at yeah. center. He's had a great year. Beal just got hurt with a hamstring injury, but Beal was starting around at the form, and then Kuzma was out for a little while, but Kuzma's played great. And if they can start to get something from some of those young guys, the Hachimuras, the Corey Kisperts, you know, even a guy like Monty Morris, around those three guys healthy, that's a pain-in-the-butt team to play in the playoffs. It really is. So when I look at the East, that's a team that I kind of think they could hang around in this thing and give somebody a really, really hard time come playoff time. Listen, the Western Conference is a little bit different in this respect. Obviously, I I think the Pelicans are come as advertised this year and are as good as we thought they were. But I will also tell you this. I think the Kings are going to hang around in this thing also. Mike Brown's done a great job coaching them up. I hated the Halliburton-Sabonis trade, but the only way you justify it is if Fox has played as well as he's played this year. I don't think they've seen the best yet out of Keegan Murray. Um, I think he can be a heck of a lot better. Um, Sabonis has played really well for them. The guy, to, to me, the guy that's been the diamond in the rough for them, they stole Kevin Herter from Atlanta. Stole yeah. him. Okay, that, for was, like a that was time. odd. Nothing, right? It was like Justin Holly in a first round. I mean, it wasn't Justin Holly. I forget who it was. It was a weird – I think it was Justin Holly. It was a weird trade. But, like, it was pretty much a salary dump. They had extended Herder last summer Atlanta, and they dumped the salary. He's been terrific for Sacramento. He plays both ends. He'll take big shots. He's good off the bounce, good catch-and-shoot guy. So He killed the Knicks. He killed the Knicks in the playoffs. And you always thought he, if this guy gets more minutes, he could be solid. He's a good player herder. So I look at Sacramento, and as much as I didn't, wasn't buying hard on them at the beginning of the season, I watched the way they've played this year. And, again, I don't know that they get anywhere in the playoffs, but we talk about somebody that gives a good team a run in the first round. Sacramento's a team that can yeah. do that. All right, Geltz. Well, we, we've run 30 minutes with you. I mean, you're the, you're the best when it comes to this. Whatever kind of much really time appreciate you guys I got for you, buddy, you know that. I, I, and I, I appreciate it. Obviously, you're one of the best in this industry. You know way more than I could ever imagine. As always, you guys can catch Geltz on Sirius XM NBA Radio from 7 to 10 on Saturdays and Sundays. Geltz, really appreciate it. And for this episode of Fireside Knicks, I'm Bryce. He's Brett. See you next time. 